from the city of brotherly love. This is Shark Bite Biz with David Strausser. You just arrived to the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your rock star wannabe host, David Strasser. This is your place to learn how to grow a business during complete global chaos. Today, about the law and your rights. First, though, remember, please download the Shark Bite Biz app if you're on Android. Just head right on over to the Google Play Store, search Shark Bite Biz, and you can find every single episode of the show audio video clips, the shorts that we do, the shark bites, you know, episode snippets that we have. Everything is right there inside the app. Plus, if you really want to help us, please give us a super thanks on the video down below. If you're watching it on YouTube, it's that little heart shaped sign with a dollar sign. Anything, $1, $10, $50, whatever you could do to help support the show and, you know, help us keep creating all the magic that we're doing. Now, let's get back to today's show. As I said, we're going to be talking about law and running a business. There's a lot to unpack in this episode, but it's a great one. And another entrepreneur that found himself running a business by happenstance. So who do we have today? None other than Jonathan Rosenfeld. Jonathan Rosenfeld is an attorney in Chicago, Illinois, concentrating in cases involving serious injury and wrongful death. Mr. Rosenfeld is the founder of Rosenfeld Injury Lawyers, LLC, where he managed to consistently grow his business 10 to 20% annually in the wake of additional competition and the headwinds from the COVID-19 pandemic. At a time when other law firms are struggling to stay afloat, Mr. Rosenfeld continues to expand his law practice into emerging areas, and that helps stabilize his revenue during uncertain times. So, hey, without further delay, let's bring Mr. Jonathan right on in here. Small Biz Spotlight. Jonathan, welcome to Shark Bite Biz, you my friend. You just became shark bait. Thank you for having me. I'm, I I welcome the opportunity to to uh, be shark bait. It's great. Thank you. Oh, oh yeah. You never know how anybody is going to react to that. Everybody has a, a different reaction because uh, I usually, unless they watch the show, they don't know that I'm going to yell that out. And uh, we get some funny stuff back sometimes. So it's good. I like fishing and I like sharks. So, uh, you know, I guess, I guess it's a good combination. You know, I guess it's, it's all... All the more reason to be here. Anyways, we have a tradition of the show. Very first question. We need to set the table. Okay. The way that we do that is we ask you, hey, what's your experience? What's your background? What do you do for a living? How'd you get there? Basically, in a nutshell, tell us what makes Jonathan Jonathan. I am a, a personal injury attorney in Chicago. Uh, I have my own law practice, Rosenfeld Injury Lawyers, and we handle pretty much everything from the you know, sort of uh, everyday auto accident cases to medical malpractice cases, nursing home negligence. And we also handle actually quite a few uh, sort of mass tort type cases, you know, involving pharmaceuticals, medical devices, things like that. Um, I've been doing this type of work exclusively for the better part of, well, since I actually was licensed to practice, which was over 20 years ago. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, they're sort of, you know, I'm not one of these people who sort of went to, you know, studied law, uh, law in school or, or became a lawyer because it was something that was like a lifelong dream. Uh, the truth is, is that I was, I was sort of one of your, you know, average, 
students in college. Uh, my parents looked at me and they said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I, I really don't have any idea. And they quickly suggested, well, what about law school? And uh, I said, oh, okay. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I didn't really have a whole lot of other options at that point. But, um, you know, I went to, I started law school. I went to law school in the city in Chicago, Chicago Kent College of Law. And uh, I basically just luck of the draw, wound up working at a personal injury law firm. And honestly, it was just a uh, dumb luck because one of the first you know, first couple months I was there, they happened to have some larger cases get resolved. And I looked at, you know, looked at myself in the mirror and I said, wow, this seems like the kind of thing I, I like. I like, I like money. I like helping people. And, uh, and that was sort of the beginning of it. And since then, you know, I've always just been involved with this particular part of the law and I've really gotten pretty involved with the marketing aspect of, of personal injury as well. Right. That's, that's amazing. So, I mean, I've got to ask you, I've always heard, you know, be a lawyer, be a doctor, stuff like that. You've got to study for a long time. How long do you actually have to study before you can go take the bar exam and become a lawyer? There's, you have to basically go to an ABA accredited school uh, before you can actually sit for the, for the bar exam. So that'd be American Bar Association? Yes. And, and forgive me, the rules may have, may have changed over the past you know, 20 plus years, but that, that's how it was back in the day. Uh, so you basically, it's a, it's a three-year program. If you go full-time, if you go part-time, it's a little bit longer. And then after you graduate and you get your law degree, then you actually sit for the bar exam, which, uh, I would, you know, I, I don't know, even know what to compare it to. It's, it's just one of these things where until you experience the whole you know, situation and the, is it as bad as they make it sound? Because that's the one thing you hear about lawyers. I guess you could say in Hollywood land, for example, is that when you see it represented in TV, in movies, you know, in pop culture, it's always like, Oh, the bar exam, it's, it's big, huge, giant, crazy test. Yeah. The short, the short is yes. I, I would actually, I'm not one of the type of people who actually like to embellish things, but the truth is, is that the bar exam is a very difficult test, not necessarily because it's, it's such a, you know, they're asking such complicated questions. It's just sort of the breadth of, of information that they can test on is so uh, extensive that, you know, you may have gone to law school for three years, but you may not have taken some of the classes that the bar exam covered. You know, I found that with the, the notary. I'm a notary public. I'm not exactly a uh, lawyer, but I'm a notary. I'm proud of that. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I had to take a whole three hour course. But anyways, I, uh, you know, noticed that, that in the time that I took the course and then with the exam, there's a lot of stuff in there that these courses, and I took a pretty good high rated course, but it didn't cover like digital notaries and all that stuff. And I'm going through this exam, like, holy cow, like we didn't cover anything with the digital notaries and stuff. And I ended up having to use, pro I work in tech, so I understand how tech works. I'm like, okay, well, think about best practices of what you would do and I have to do process of elimination, you know, and I ended up getting it right. I think I got all the two, um, two, I, two wrong I got, I got two wrong. So I, I did pretty good, but I, I went through that experience myself. 
And uh, I can imagine that on a bar exam, though, that spans for an education that goes over three years. It's just it's just so much material. You know, it's sort of like I think you graduate from law school in in, uh, like May or June and the the bar exams that usually like a mid end of July. And it's basically just, you know all out for, you know, six, eight weeks after you graduate. And, you know, the truth is, is like, you know, look, you've, you've made this, you know, huge investment time-wise, you know, mon- monetarily. Um, and, uh, you know, essentially if you don't pass the bar exam, it's all for nothing. <laughs> uh, and, you know, in, in, in a lot of States, you know, in, in Illinois, uh, I don't know what the passage rate now is in Illinois, but I think it's like, uh, 67, maybe 60 plus percent passage rate. Um, you know, four out of 10 people you you're, you're sitting in that room with are failing that test. Uh, you know, you could have a bad, anyone can have a bad day, you know, yeah, there's just, you know, there's so many variables involved. So it, it is stressful. Um, and then, you know, I think you don't get the results maybe until if you take it in, in July, maybe you get the results in like October. Now it's gotta be quicker now. Wouldn't you think being digitalized? Well, you know, what they do, what they have is, you know, part of it is, uh, I call it multiple guess, uh, multiple right. choice. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then, and then half of it is written. Multiple guess. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> and then half of it, it's written. So, you know, they, they actually have, you know, people who sit and they grade it and they have to grade all the tests and then they put it on a curve. I mean, uh, you know, back when I was, when I took this test, you know, in the, you know, when we were doing it by candlelight, it, that's, that, that's what the time frame was. I, maybe it's, it's, uh, picked up a little bit, but, um, certainly those are some, uh, unsettling, you know, weeks and, and months afterwards, because you're just sort of sitting in limbo. Not a lot of pressure checking the mailbox every single day. Well, you actually, they usually announce when they release it, or at least they used to, but, um, you know, it's, it's just difficult because a lot of times people are hesitant to hire you as an attorney until you get that license, because you can't really do much. You can't go to court. You can't, you can't, you know, do any, any lawyering until you get those that, uh, cert- kind of like me being a notary. I can't notarize until I got the documents. How long does it take to get your notary, uh, test results? Well, I did it during COVID. So it may, uh, the test results are instant, but there's a whole process then you got to do because then the state certifies you. Then you got to go back to the County if they get sworn in by the county and do their paperwork, then that has to go back to the state. Then it has to be like uh, officialized by the state. And it, it's a coordination and a process. And it was super slow because of COVID. Like I had to do a digital swearing in ceremony. It was kind of um, kind of crazy, but uh, it took longer than I had hoped. Well, you got it done. So congratulations. Yeah, man. And you too. You, you you got it done too. So good job to you. Thank you. Thank you. So I got to ask you, one of the things I always ask my guests, you know, hey, give us some of the areas you want to talk about, some of your expertise. And I noticed that you were a lawyer and that you were a personal injury lawyer in that field. And I, I found it to be curious that one of your main talking points that you wanted to talk about was digital marketing. How does digital marketing work for you? Like, how do you sub it upon that? Is this a passion of yours? Is it a side business? Explain your connection to the digital marketing world. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. In today's world, uh, you know, you could be the best lawyer 
out there. Um, there's plenty of, of very, very skilled attorneys out there. There's plenty of very you know, smart people, highly motivated people. But the truth is, is that ultimately everyone's got to, you know, you got to get the business in order to have success. Um, you know, and, and, you know, one of the things that they, they don't teach you in law school and they don't teach you in a lot of, uh, you know, any kind of professional school, as far as I know, is the whole business side of whatever you're doing. Well, they teach you that in business school. May I probably should have, <laughs> should have gone to business school. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I need to go to business school at some point. You know, that, that, that's, that's a great point though. I just want to point that out because I was talking with my son who's in college right now. He's a freshman and he wanted to do video. I mean, he produces this podcast. So he likes audio, video, graphics, all that stuff. And I'm like, well, why don't you think about marketing and business? He's like, no, I hate business. And I'm like, you know, it's typical father son thing. I'm in business. So he doesn't like it. Just like my father was a contractor and I hated construction. So, you know, it's apple doesn't fall far from the tree in those respects. But I'm like, Francisco, everything you do is about business. So if you're creating a design production, I mean, you're doing marketing for some company with that video probably, or you're trying to sell something and understanding how the whole picture works is so critical. That way you're not, because I think sometimes, you know, like a project manager or build out a process like, oh yeah, this will be great for our company to use. And then the people on the street, like the sales reps that are trying to put in the orders following that process, they're like, oh my God, I don't even want to sell anything because it's so awful. But if you understood their world, that's where you can do it from a better place. That was my sales pitch to him. He took it. He loves it so far. Well, I think it's great. I mean, ultimately, Everything is sales. Uh, everything, you know, I don't care who, who you are, what type of work you do. Uh, you know, ultimately you have to be a good salesperson in order to have success. Um, it, you know, if that's something you're interested in, or, you know, uh, alternatively, you know, you can go, you know, work at a, at a company and, and take a different route. But, but frankly, you know, if you want, I, I found some of the most, uh, successful and, and really, uh, happy people that I know, and that, you know, really be their own, uh, their own boss, you know, and, and really have their own business. And, and that's something that I really, you know, that was important to me early on and, and really is probably more important to me today than, than ever. Um, and so I got into, to digital marketing basically just for myself, you know, just to, just to basically, you know, um, create a stream of business for myself and for my law firm. And, you know, and, and, you know, there's different ways of getting business in law. You know, a lot of people, you know, they go out and they network and which is great. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, don't do that. Uh, a lot of people, you know, will sometimes they'll you can't put all your eggs in one basket. You can't, but I do think that in today's world that you, uh, the, the days of, I guess, you know, the traditional way of practicing law was you basically, you know, you practice law for a zillion years, you developed a great reputation. Uh, and after 20 or 30 years of, of practicing law, people, you know, you, people recognized your name, they recognized your work, and then they started, you know, sending you cases and, you know, don't get me wrong. That still is a great way of getting business, you know, getting referrals just, uh, from old, 
you know, from old clients, from colleagues, from family is great. It's great. Don't get me wrong, but it, it's still a limited uh, circle out there, you know, and what I, you know, recognize was that if you want to grow the business, you have to expand that circle. And the way that I've, I've put energy, energy into it was by, it still is by spending a lot of time, you know, uh, creating content, um, on, on different websites. And it's been, uh, you know, is it, is it, does everything work? Of course not, but all things being equal, uh, it's been very effective. But that's the thing though. It all feeds into the same machine. I mean, just because of the fact that maybe something and it doesn't necessarily give me a lead or hit on the website because of that link, it still helps in the background because it's helping boost up your your credibility, for example, in Google's database to where it's giving you some more SEO and stuff like that, more relevant. And in the big scope of things, every little thing you do like that really helps out to build that credibility. So that way you can rank higher and stuff like that. It, it does. And, you know, you're right. It is just it, it's just a process. Everything is a process. Process. You know, the, the work that you're doing today, uh, you know, if you're looking mm-hmm. to get results tomorrow, you're going to be sorely, you know, uh, disappointed. Yeah, it takes time. It takes time and everything, it's, it builds on itself. And one of the things that, you know, that we've, you know, that I've, I've really had a hard time uh, wrapping my head around was that, you know, just because I, I, I wrote something, you know, or, uh, you know, a year ago or two years ago or whatever, uh, a lot of times you have to go back and, and refresh it and, and revise it and improve upon it um, to stay, to stay current, to stay relevant. Um, and if, if, you know, that was something was working, you know, a couple of years ago, it may not mm-hmm. be working today. Things have changed. Yeah. Drastically in the last two years, things have changed Comp- competitions, you know, it's just got, it just keeps, you know, intensifying, you know, and if you just sit back, you know, that's it. There, there was something that you had said earlier that caught my ear and I want to bring it back up. And you said that sales is everything, you know, you're always selling and that is so true. And that's one of the mentalities that I hold is that everything you're doing is a big sale in life. Uh, You know, that's part of the reason why I treat everybody the same, whether you're a guest on my podcast, whether you're my family, whether you're a friend, a colleague, a customer, a prospect, an employee. I treat everybody the same because it's, I, I don't know, I just view life as one giant the sales cycle. And when I think of somebody like you, I'm sure that you kind of feel the same thing because, you know, you have your clients, you got to do cases, you got to, you know, sway the judge, you got to sway a jury. I mean, that's like doing a big closing sales pitch and getting an executive board to sign off. Yes, I agree with you. Well, you know, I think one of the things that I've learned is at the end of the day, you know, I don't care what your background is. Um, you know, you, you could have, you could have gone to the best school. You could have gone to no school. Uh, but people want to be treated with respect. They want to be acknowledged. Uh, and they basically, they want, uh, frankly, they just, they want, you know, responsiveness. And, you know, I'm amazed at how many people will send me a referral 
you know, I've had clients, you know, I haven't really had much contact with for years. They will send me a, a referral of a friend or family or coworker or something. And they don't necessarily say, oh, Jonathan got, you know, X amount of dollars for me. They say, you know what? He's a nice guy. He's, you know, he's straightforward. You know, he's going to be, you know, responsive. And that's something that, you know, I've just, you know, recognized really, you know, and again, I, I, it's not that I have this great, you know, uh, philosophy or anything, but I've just re- recognized early on that if you, if you just treat people decently, you ret- return their phone calls, um, that goes a long way. Uh, and t- in today's world, I'm shocked at how many. The human side of things. Yeah, the human side of things. You know, again, you can be, you know, from any walk of life. And if if the guy, you know, if your lawyer or whoever is arrogant or is not, you know, contacting you back, um, you know, they move on. And especially in today's world, you know, I, in any business, you know, not only do you have to keep people satisfied, um, just to keep the the uh, relationship going. But if you don't, you know, take care of them, they're going to go out and they're going to write, you know, a negative rev- review somewhere, you know, they're going to start bad mouthing you. And that's really does a lot of damage, a lot of destruction that is really hard to uh, undo. Oh yeah, because I mean, those things stick around, they're hard to, to get removed and it can just bloom like, uh, you know, dandelions in a front yard just popping up everywhere if you don't do things the right way. So I, I've got to ask you with your secret then, I mean, content creation, digital marketing. I mean, obviously you're on this podcast and it helps you out as far as SEO. I mean, it helps me out because then it associates us on the internet, but it also helps you out because then it associates you with like the rock stars that have been on the show. Uh, Soledad O'Brien, the former uh, CNN journalist and people like that, that I've had on this podcast throughout the years. So I've got to, you know, ask you the content creation. Do you view that is the case when you're going out interviewing people like doing those things or writing an article like it helps give you the boost to boost up your presence? Well, uh, you know, there's a couple things, you know, ultimately, I guess, you know, I'm sort of going to take that the break that down a little bit. I mean, ultimately, you got to really look at what people are looking for, I guess, first and foremost. Uh, you know, it sounds super cliche, but like you could write the best material out there. And if that's not really, if that doesn't resonate with what people are looking for, uh, it's not going to really do you any good. Um, so I guess before I really do any, anything, before I start writing or start developing content or whatever it is, um, I want to make sure that whatever I'm doing is aligned with, you know, and again, you can, you can do user intent, but you know, at a more basic level, uh, search intent, you know, you got to see what people are searching for on Google. If people are, you know, aren't searching for what you're creating, uh, you're basically spinning your wheels going nowhere and you're wasting a lot of time and a lot of money. So, you know, whatever, you know, and this is something that, you know, I've had a really hard time learning because it's, I like to just go, 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 go. And the truth is, is that, 
before you can go, 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 you have to take a step back, look at what the, the metrics are on a lot of this stuff. So what I do is I spend a lot of time. I look at, you know, I look at, uh, you know, for, for example, I look at, you know, on Google, if you just do what people also ask, you know, if you type in any search, you'll see a lot of times what people also ask, uh, somewhere on the screen. And that's, that's real stuff. That's real data that Google collects. And if you're, you know, if you pay attention to that and you create content around that, that can go a long way towards not only satisfying user intent, but in turn, you know, really building up your ranking. So things like that are, are super important. And that's something that I do spend a lot of time on. No, that's, that's excellent. Excellent advice. I mean, to put that a little bit more practical too, I mean, we just had a sales opportunity and I was working with one of mine. Uh, he's not younger. He transitioned from a consultant, somebody who does like the implementation of our software solutions, but he's green in terms of he's a new sales rep. He's been in the role for about six months, never sold anything in his life, but he just had one of those general personalities to where it's like, you shine, I should be selling stuff. So we converted him and he's doing pretty good. But, you know, as software sometimes does, we had a super complicated case. And I'm like, dude, it's going to take hours for you to figure this out, write up this proposal. Then we have to invest more time to do a statement of work, all that stuff. And we already know the company is a little bit cheap okay uh that's why they were coming for us so it was pretty much like hey before you go spin your wheels and create all this content all this document use up all this time on something that might be worthless why don't you just give them a call and tell them like hey look you know to implement this with this and that you're going to be 200 uh, i think 250 to three hundred thousand dollars okay is that kind of what you're thinking? You know, I want to make sure because I don't want to waste any of your time either. And they didn't balk at it. They're like, oh, great. Okay. That's kind of what we were thinking. Get me all the documentation. He's like, okay, perfect. I'll get it to you by the end of the day, Friday. And, you know, got me working with them to about six o'clock Friday night this past weekend to get it all finalized. And we uh, uh, got it in an easy to reformat and send it out. But I think that's another example of exactly what you're saying that you know i think people make the mistake to where they go through the motions with good intentions but they go through the emotions and they may create content that there really is no or a super limited audience for and you have to kind of understand and realize when you need to put on the brakes and be like hey you know, this isn't going to give any type of ROI for me. It's better to be doing something else. It, it, it sometimes it's a really, you know, it, it's a bitter pill to swallow, you know, to, you know, and it, it you know, especially after you've invested the time and, and, and money into things, uh, it sometimes it's just, it's, it's difficult to just cut and run, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you got to just, you know, figure out what's working and what's not. And, you know, maybe just keep drilling some wells and, and see what the next project, you know, develops into, um, you know, the problem, you know, the problem with being super specialized is, is that, you know, ultimately you're, you're sort of limited. You can be, you know, 
you can put, it can really limit your options. And if, if that doesn't go well, um, you may be really out of luck. So, you know, for example, you know, for example, I do, a, you know, we do a fair amount of mass tort cases, you know, involving different drugs and, and medical devices and whatnot. Now, um, you know, a lot of times these cases go on for years and years and years, and they sort of take on a life of their own. Uh, and, you know, they may seem great, but then after we sort of start, you know, start digging, uh, we, we may learn that, you know, Hey, there's, these are issues here. And at that point, you know, you, you may be years into it and things may sort of fizzle out. So, uh, you know, for anyone, for anyone who's, who's doing it, you know, I, I think it's important to really, you know, go deep on some and, and sort of spread your wings uh, uh, on others and be a little bit broader. So do you do digital marketing just for your firm itself or do you have a digital marketing wing as well too? Well, I, I everything I do is, is just for my business. I, I you know, I got my hands full, frankly. Ah, you're one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, one, I'm one of those guys, you know, we keep, we have a, we have a team of, of, of people who, you know, do different tasks, you know, do, do social media, you know, a lot of, we have a lot of writers, we do videos, um, you know, we do everything, but at the end of the day, it's all geared towards, uh, the sales funnel and, and really bringing in business, uh, for, for the law firm. Um, you know, the, Thankfully, the the metrics and the numbers involved in um, in this area of law, in particular, um, there's just so much opportunity that it, there's no need really to go and start you know building this out for other industries. Right, right. So, what do you use as far as managing your sales pipeline and making sure that? you know, your sales team, or I don't know how you do it internally, how you take a prospect through a sales cycle, but how, how do you manage all of that internally? What's your secret sauce? I, you know, I don't think there really is a secret. I, I wish there was, but the, you know, we're, we're honestly, we, it's an, it's every, every business, it's ultimately a numbers game to a certain degree. Um, you know, we need, you know, depending on the case type, we may need 10, 10 or more contacts to get a viable case, you know, and to get a good case, we may need to get 50 and to get a really good case, we may need to get a couple of hundred. Well, it's kind of like, like you have a funnel, you start with a hundred prospects, you funnel down, you get 10 actual good prospects, jail cycles, and you funnel that down and you end up with one good deal at the end of the day. But you have to hunt down, you know, part of the, I guess if, if there is a secret is that we hunt down every lead, like it's our last, uh, like it's our last, like it's our last meal. Because the truth is, is that, you know, I've had people contact me. Well, you know, again, a lot of people are like, ah, oh, you know, this seems like nothing. You know, I get, con for example, I get contact, I'll get a contact form or someone, you know, now we basically there's, you can, you can text us, email us, call us, uh, chat with us, uh, do we, there's any way there's zillion ways to contact us. Um, some of the best cases we've had are some of the most nondescript intakes, uh, where someone just says, you know, they put their name and their phone number down uh, and I know law, I know law firms who really look at that and they say, eh, that's nothing, you know, 
I'm not, I'm not going to bother call. I'm very aggressive in that manner as well too. And I can definitely hear for you. I know uh, this one case, the one client that they filed for bankruptcy in the U.S. like a year prior to uh, reaching out to my buddy. And at first, my buddy ended up, you know, I'm not calling them. I'm not wasting time. They just filed for bankruptcy. And then they, you know, their manager, just give them a call. It's a huge company. And basically, uh, it was for all of their Latin America operations where they are extremely profitable and successful. And it ended up being one of the largest deals that his company ended up ever getting. But initially he had that attitude like you were talking about where they just looked at it like you're saying name and number. They were judging a book by its cover. So you said about cliches, you know, the old cliche, don't judge a book by its cover is so true because you have to feel it out. You have to kind of give it a little bit of a chase, you know, like a good, a good hunt. And then once you feel it out, then, you know, that's smart sales are those way to pursue because there could be something there or when to cut it loose because there, there's nothing. Well, that, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm frankly shocked at how, you know, look, I mean, in today's world, you know, things go really 24 seven, uh, and I'm shocked at how many people, you know, they basically have their business set up where they're, they're closing down, you know, everything down at, you know, five or five thirty or whatever. And you know, in today's world, you know, everyone's got a different schedule. Everyone's, you know, you know, they may be working, you know, they may just have different hours than you do or whatever. And you're remote, they may be in a different time zone. I mean, there's so many different things, but if you're not calling those people back quickly, uh, you're just throwing marketing money and, and energy down the toilet. Um, and, and that's something that I really speed. That's another secret ingredient. I mean, the speed in which you respond, like you've mentioned this, I picked up this trend that I've heard in a couple of different areas that we talked today, that the, the speed at which you return calls, you get back to people, you respond to people is also one of your secrets to success. No doubt about it. Uh, there's, I, I don't know the exact statistic, but um, basically if, if the, a lead in the legal, uh, vertical is, is good for about two or two to five minutes after two to five minutes, your chances of getting that lead drop off considerably after an hour, it's, it's almost zero. That's how, that's how, that's the, the, you basically your window of opportunity. Because they're, you know, it's not like, you know, people are just like, oh, I'm calling Jonathan. They're calling Jonathan. They're calling Jack. They're calling George. They're calling everyone. Uh, and, you know, if you're, if you're available and you're responsive, you're, you know, you're obviously your, your chances of, of getting that case are, are, you know, increased dramatically. So that's just something, you know, I, I don't know, you, you can't really teach people to be hungry, but that's sort of what you have to do. Uh, 
it's very primitive. You know, it's, it's sort of, I call it the caveman approach. I close a deal and I'm looking for another deal. Like the next minute, there's no break. Maybe I'll take that night off, but the next morning it's like, no, I've got to, I've got to keep my plate full. I got to keep the deals closing. That machine never stops turning. There is no cruise control with me. It just pedal all the way down all the time. I mean, that's, that's honest in today's world. If you're not doing that, someone, someone else is. So if, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, gotta feed it's, it's feast or famine in a lot of, in a lot of respects. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So I have one last question for you yeah. before we head out and you've mentioned this a couple of times, but I want to ask you, why do you think so many people are, are so unhappy today? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a zillion reasons. I don't know. Maybe because, I don't know. They're stressed. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe their wives are, are angry with them. But I, I think the truth is, is that a lot of people are unhappy because they really have no control. There's, there's sort of a disconnect. Uh, there's a, they feel like they have no control over their, their lives. Um, you know, a lot of times people are just, they're, they're spinning their wheels. They're, they may, you know, be working at a company or whatever. They're doing this, they're doing that, they're and they're spinning their wheels, but they're not really going anywhere. And I think I think that if people really sort of had more control over their ultimately of their destiny, I think they'd be happier. Um, you know, and they felt like they had more of a an impact on things as opposed to just being sort of a cog in the wheel. I think COVID has made a lot of people feel more like they're a cog in the machine. I, I think, you know, for better or for worse, it exposed a lot of flaws or issues with our system. And, you know, some of them are being addressed, some of them, you know, a lot of things, you know, it really pushed us off the edge of digital transformation to where, I mean, I always worked from home, but um, our company in certain cities has always had offices. And if there was an office, you know, you were mandated to be in the office. And, you know, it really never made sense because it's like, oh, well, how come the Northeast is like totally remote and they're happy and everybody does their jobs. But out here in Irvine, we've got to be at the office every day. And when we were forced to shut down globally, it's like, oh, wow, we can fully operate remote and there's not much of an impact. So it's just things like that, I think, got exposed. and was for the good, but there's probably a ton of examples we can give them the negative side as well. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I think people, people, I'm, I'm frankly shocked at how well every, almost every industry has adapted to this in, and did a really, really did it quickly. Um, and, you know, working from home is a, is a, you know, is a mixed blessing. You know, there's a lot of opportunity, you know, to, you know, just freeze up a lot of time, just not commuting to an office. Number one, uh, and it, it really does give you an opportunity, you know, to really have more of a, a little bit more of a balance in your life. But again, that takes discipline that takes some, uh, you know, preparation or, or whatnot. And, and ultimately people have to, you know, sort of, I guess, create a schedule that works for them to make, you know, make them happy just because I'm happy doing whatever I am doing. Uh, it may not work for everyone. So I would say just, you know, figure out what works with for you and, and try to stick with it. Okay. Yeah, that's good, solid advice. Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I got to ask you a final question. How can people digitally stalk you? Remember, he's a lawyer, so don't physically stalk him. 
Please don't, please don't, please don't. Uh, hit me up, hit me up at rosenfeldinjurylawyers.com. You can take a look, you can contact us out there. Check us out on YouTube, Rosenfeld Injury Lawyers on YouTube. We've got podcasts. Uh, we're all over the place. What's your podcast name? Personal Injury Podcast. Personal Injury Podcast. So we will definitely have Very the original. links down below. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, very original, very right? Original. Yes, yes, yes. There you go. There you go. We will definitely have the name, uh, the links for his website down below in the description. Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on. This has been an amazing chat, and I hope our audience loves you, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's great. No problem. Cheers. Wow, that was an incredible chat with Jonathan, right? First, you all know the routine. If you found this interview helpful, if it gave you those warm and fuzzies, do me a favor, hit that like button, smash that subscribe button. But if you really want to help us out because you know Shark Bite Biz is the greatest kept secret in the world of business, I'd love nothing more for you to share us out to your friends, family, colleagues, and get it out there. Anywhere that you dwell on the interwebs, whether it's Facebook, Minds, Rumble Odyssey, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, just share this this episode out because Jonathan Rosenfeld, Shark Bite Biz, would love to see them trending. And I tell you what, this guy has an amazing business growth story. Now let's get back to our rock star guest, Mr. Jonathan Rosenfeld. This was a great discussion about business in general. I'd say we covered a lot of different topics and it doesn't matter what you do. Everybody out there working in business is doing sales and you're doing business functions. You may not realize that, but everything comes back to selling. You're always selling, whether it's yourself, you know, trying to get a job at a place with a project manager. Manager, even if you're a project manager, okay, you are selling because you're trying to sell more services, more projects to that customer. And oftentimes that's, you know, from a professional implementation consultant standpoint, you know, that's them doing the sales to get the work. Uh, now then the salespeople are pretty much paper pushers at that point. But you're always selling, even if you're in, again, that technical advisor type of role. And, you know, you don't have to be a sales rep in order to be a good business person or a good business owner. You just have to understand that, you know, you're always going to be selling something to somebody. And when you think of sales, it doesn't mean like, hey, I'm going to sell you my coffee mug right here, okay? Selling could be anything. It could be a vision. It could be like, hey, I think we could grow the business if we did this or that. You've got to sell people on those ideas to get that buy-in or, hey, we need a new solution, how we're doing things or how our processes are, are not working. You've got to sell that vision, that enlightenment that you have had to other people to get them on board. And it's really crazy because, you know, again, back to lawyers with Jonathan, okay? Most people don't think lawyers are salespeople. I guess some people do, but uh, they really are. He has the network. He has to grow a pipeline. He has to sell his abilities to clients and even sell the case to the judge and jury so that he hopefully wins. I mean, it's crazy how everything does come full circle and even non-business related roles eventually come back, you know, to selling and sales. I would like to say that, you know, and I think Jonathan believes that 
from this discussion as well, too, that sales is essentially the center of gravity for business. So this conversation was about marketing. It was about Jonathan's story. But ultimately, what I got out of it is the ability to sell yourself, to market to people, to get people interested in you, to get that exposure. And doing all of those things is how Jonathan grew his business 10 to 20 percent annually, even with COVID, even with more competition out there. So, hey, awesome stuff, Jonathan. I love hearing your growth story, man. It just energizes me. I'm pumped as I re-listen to the episode. And I really loved how you learned to market yourself, market your business, and just really just keep kicking butt out there, man, and keep winning your lawsuits, my friend. Question of the day. Do you feel sales is the center of gravity for business? Leave a comment down below if you're watching on YouTube or wherever you're consuming this episode at. Do you want to be on the show interviews at sharkbitebiz.com if you're watching on youtube do us a favor hit that super thanks button or join the channel and support us for three dollars a month you can become a baby shark and you know you know this already but i'll tell you again i'm david strasser this is shark bite biz we'll see you all next episode ciao Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story.